Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Leadership with Pastor Carlos. We're excited that you guys have joined us this week. Uh, we kind of have a special uh, podcast that we're doing this week as far as the dynamic goes. Uh, it's not just going to be uh, just me and Pastor Carlos. We've invited our wives in uh, to sit in with us and to answer some questions and just uh, so we can glean from them uh, about women in leadership. That's um, something that's passionate, uh, not only to myself, but also to Pastor Carlos. So we just wanted to kind of talk with them today. Uh, again, we're excited that you guys have joined us. Does that mean you and me can't talk about them because they're in front of us? I think so. <laughs> I don't think they listen to the podcast anyway. So you and me, every time we've spoken about them before, they've never found out. I know, right? Now you and me would be in trouble because they're in front of us. Ah. So let's, let's be on our best behavior. Yeah. I didn't think that through. Yeah. Hey, everybody. We're glad you're back on with our podcast. Um, we've been trying to load them up and hoping it'll bless your life. So I thought this was a great idea you guys came up with. Thank you for inviting Gladi over. My wife's here. Hello, everybody. God bless you all. Uh, so just kind of jumping into it, uh, a lot of you guys don't know, we were kind of talking back and forth before the podcast started, and uh, you used the term, you guys were the A-team, you're kind of your A-team, and, and I love that dynamic looking at um, how you guys approach ministry together, that, that you consider you two, you're, you're, the, you're, you're A-team. I love that. Um, so just going into that. Um, so just going into that technical error yeah go ahead sorry about that um just diving right in there uh pastor pastora um you guys serve as co-pastors in ministry uh how does that dynamic work um i you know years ago it's really funny because my my um theological background before i was a, a, a born-again christian i was a jehovah witness and I'm not going to go into that, but when I, when I went from there, the, the position of the female is very, very conservative, ultra. And then when we became, when I became a Christian, I was a born-again Christian in independent fundamental Baptist church. And a woman has no role there. So, and when I say that right now, somebody independent fundamental Baptist is getting upset at me. No disrespect, but you know, it's, it's really conservative. And so what I'm saying is my whole upbringing is like, Woman, thou shalt shut up. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I was okay with that, and I kind of liked that. Um, and then God really hit me, um, and maybe we'll talk about that later, but God hit me with a revelation, and it really, it really broke me. And it wasn't with my wife. God hit me with the daughter that I have not had at that point yet. My daughter was not born. I didn't know if I was going to have a daughter. But God hit me, and he asked me a question regarding my future daughter. And then when I was done, um, where he broke me, you know, and it was basically a question God asked. He said, um, do I use you? And I said, yes, Lord, and thank you for that. He said, can I use your boys right, when, I, when I give you boys? And I had one boy back then, which is Josue, the oldest. And I said, yes, God, use my boy with all, all the powerful unit. And he says, can I use your girl? I didn't know if I was going to have a girl. I had Josue only, my oldest boy, 21 years ago. And he... And, and, and I said, yeah, yes, yes, God, of course you could use her. She's yours. And then he said, if I could use her, how come I can't use your wife? And she's my daughter. Mm. Then when it hit me, you know, I, I was like, well, that's not what I was taught. So it took a lot of teaching, a lot of breaking through through scripture to be able to come to the revelation and the conviction spiritually and doctrinally that God could use my wife. And then I looked over and I realized that the, my main support has always been her from the day one. But, you know, I just didn't see the potential she could reach. And then when I finally let it loose, 
man, it was like, you know, it was like, why didn't I think about this before, God? You know, and God obviously saying, well, that's why I'm God and you're not, you know? <laughs> He's better than me. And he, and he showed me how she is my ideal help, Scripture says. And, and that's what she became. So the dynamic now amongst us is that we are literally a tag team, literally. Um, I'm up there, and she comes in, plays an important role, and we switch back and, back and forth. And um, different seasons of our life, she has become, you know, the person to stand up because, and this is how God did it, because there was nobody else. You know, sometimes we'll use scripture and say, well, we live in North America. There are other people that could minister. Well, the world isn't North America. No disrespect to North America. I'm North American. No disrespect. But the world isn't like that. In the world, there are mission fields where you're preaching to unbelievers and there's nobody there, you know, except the only believer. In the, we, were, we were the cult. We were the Baptist cult in our first church. And, um, you know, nobody, because being a Baptist was a cult, was cultish versus North America, North Carolina, where I live now, where there's a Baptist church on every corner. You know, we were cultish. And that's how the society saw us as a cult. And um, there were nerd preachers. There weren't people with biblical knowledge. She had it before I had it. So it came to a point that she had to go up to bat. And since she went up to bat, we realized that together we are stronger than separated. That's how it started, in my opinion. You have anything to say on that? Well, I think we have a pretty good dynamic. Um, I know he is the head pastor, and I am a pastor too, but under him, of course. And yes, we can work together. Um, I'm pretty much work um, in women's area, of course, and I can preach, I can teach, I can sing, I can do a lot of things, but I know that he is my pastor too, and I need to be under him, and I need to take care of him, and I need to take care of my house. So we work together like that. Uh, well, that leads us into our next question. Um, can you help other married couples better understand Ephesians 5, both in ministry and in the home? Because um, a lot of people use that passage as in, in different ways. And so can you bring clarity to that? I'm going to take this one. That's okay with you, honey. Okay. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. I, um, depending where you are, like right now, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's all the New Yorkers that are listening because there's a lot of New Yorkers that download our podcast. And I, I heard that this week. And people that, um, they've actually used it in one of the uh, clothing industries. They meet with their team and they've met to hear our podcast. And it was pretty amazing to see what God was doing up there. Um, up there, this may not be an issue, like in New York, depending where, you're, where you are listening. But if you're on the, on the Bible Belt, this is a big issue. This is like, a, like, it didn't hit me until I made it to the Bible Belt. It's like, oh my Lord, this is a big issue. Um, it's a really big issue because I would say about 80% to 90% of evangelical churches do not believe that a woman should have a leadership role, sort of say, um, from the altar. Okay? Now, many believe leadership roles, and, and, and I want to make a disclosure like I do in all our podcasts. All right? I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I respect that. I, I preach in places where the woman has not, not, a, not a passive, let's say a passive leadership role, I guess. Uh, her main um, duty is to take care of the home or the household. I'm okay with that. 
I don't think every wife of, of every minister is going to be a minister. I don't believe every worship leader's wife is going to be a worship leader. <laughs> I don't believe every preacher has a wife that preaches. I just happen to have one, you know? Um, now, when you look at this, at, this, um, at this portion of the Bible and you read to what's really happening in context, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is that preachers say and teach, don't take a text out of context. So with respect to all those that don't believe this, and I will back them up in their churches. But as far as the question being asked to me in my church, the one I pastor, I know it's God's church, but the one I pastor, scenario is a little different. And the scenario is different because when I looked into this portion of the scripture, when God told me, can I use your daughter? It, it really broke me because I would teach that a woman should not speak in the congregation, which is the big Bible verse that everybody talks about in First Corinthians. And, and I'll take you there. But here's what, where it hit me. This portion specifically, and I have the Bible open right now in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, it, before we get to the portion that, that you're really asking about, which is verse 12, 21, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reference. Right? It says, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. So it says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is a savior. That verse 22 and 23 says that the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. Now, that Bible verse specifically kicks off a whole set of questions, which is, if the man is head of the household, why are you allowing your wife to lead? Why are you allowing your wife to to be of influence in church? Real easy. Because the Bible doesn't say she can't lead. It doesn't say it anywhere. It says, for the husband is head of the wife. I am the head of my wife. As Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, but I still preach. So I am the head of my household, and my wife could still preach. If it were to say, for the husband is the head of the church, as Christ is the head of the church, then that changes the scenario. That's not what it says. It says, for the husband is head of the wife. See, if I'm sitting in the front pew, and I do nothing in church, and my wife is the preacher, I have an issue with that. Because I think there's a lack of order inside the body of Christ. But if she has a spiritual gift and I have a spiritual gift and it happens to be the same spiritual gift and God uses us in teaching the mysteries of scripture, then why should I not let her teach it? There's no basis for that in this Bible verse. In fact, before it says wives submit to your own husbands, the first thing it says in verse 21 is submit to one another out of reference to Christ. So what the Bible says is, yes, she needs to submit to me. But the Bible also says in verse 21, before that, I need to submit to her. So if there's no submissiveness to each other, it's not talking about being leaders in church. What it's talking about is the household. Uh, let's take you guys, for example. You guys have little man. For those that don't know who little man is, little man is their baby boy. And, and what I'm saying is you could come, Nate, from work and you walk in. You're the head of the household, bro. That, that's your calling. You have, a, you have a responsibility as head of the household. What is that? You need to man up and provide for your house, Period. Now, if you guys come to an agreement where Katie says, well, I'm going to go to work and you stay home with the boy, that's no problem. She could work. She could, she could provide the income and you provide the care, but you still have to be head of the household. She can't have you sitting in a chair tied to your arms and you can't say anything and shut up. You mean nothing in this house because you're not head of the household. Now, she could still go work and make money and bring the money and you decided to stay home with the boy and there's no sin to that as long as she's clear that you are still Placed by God to be head of the household. Now, it doesn't say priest of the household. 
doesn't say that in scripture. Now, if it says that you're the priest of the household or you're the pastor of the household, that means, Katie, you can't bring the word. But it doesn't say that. So that means she can bring the word. She can share what God has given her on her heart. She can bring it. And you should submit and listen to what she's trying to say. See, the problem that we do is that we're taking this out of context. When the Bible is written, especially the New Testament, women have no value. And now churches will never say that because if that said, ooh, you know, oh, my gosh. The Old Testament says that the value of a woman is when she bears child. That's what the Old Testament says. So when Jesus comes and the New Testament comes, the whole scenario is going to change now. Scripture here, there's a portion in Scripture. And I was, I was looking for it right before I came here. And it's, it's Galatians 3.28 says, Paul says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, all of you who were baptized, if you're baptized, this applies to you. Okay, you have clothed yourself with Christ. Now you have Christ on you. Now watch verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, guys, in the Old Testament, the woman was close to nothing. But in the New Testament, her value is not just children. Jesus Christ made us equal. Jesus Christ gave a woman a chance. Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, guys, in the church, don't shun the woman. Don't shun her. Give her an opportunity. So here's the way I see it to answer the question. I see it that God chose my wife to take care of me and, God, and be, to help me be the man God called me to be. And God chose me to help her be the woman she needs to be. And if I can't allow her to be the woman she needs to be because she's a female... I'm knocking out what God has given her. Now, to all those that are out there that are against what I'm saying right now and say, yeah, but you're not reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where it says that the woman should shut up in the congregation. Now, I'm going to read that. It says, let your, it says, this is what it says. It's literally in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, so they don't say I'm avoiding the, t- the text. It says, let your woman keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive. As the law also says. Now, if we're going to take that text, which is a text that everybody used to say women shouldn't teach in the congregation. I have, I have a serious issue with that. I get upset with that. Pastor, why? Because they're using this to say the woman should not teach in the congregation. That's not what scripture says. King James Version, NIV Version, and the original Greek says, let your woman keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak. If you're going to shut up the woman, shut her up completely. If you're, going to t- if you're going to take it out of context and you're not going to read what's before, what's after, what was occurring, then shut them up completely. What does that mean? Don't let them sing because they're speaking. Don't let them teach Sunday school because they're speaking. Don't let them do welcomings because they're speaking. Don't let Beth Moore teach because she's speaking. To those that, I mentioned Beth Moore because people will, if I say Joyce Myers, people say, well, I don't like Joyce Myers. Well, don't let her teach you. Just tell them to shut up. In fact, they're not allowed to speak. The woman should walk in the congregation. When she walks into church, she shouldn't even say hello because the Bible says not to speak. So don't speak. Don't talk. So that means the next time we walk into church, you and me, Nate, our wives shouldn't even say hello to anybody. They should shut up. And, but in that, and people are saying, well, Pastor, that's just downright wrong. You're exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. The Bible says for her not to speak. And he said, well, it really means to teach. Okay, then she shouldn't teach Sunday school. 
She shouldn't teach Sunday school. She shouldn't be, when they're on the altar leading worship, which we have so many female worshipers, they shouldn't lead me in worship. They should not. But no, no, they only apply it to preaching. But that's not what happened. When the, wife, when the Bible says the woman should not speak, what happens in Corinthians is that this Gentile land, and the Gentile land specifically in Corinth, specifically in Corinth, and in Philippi, these places were full of Gentiles and Roman soldiers that believed in Greek mythology. And Athenas, or Venus, the goddess of love, women believed that they had power because men desired them sexually. And you know, there's still a lot of women that believe that, right? And, and, and because a man couldn't control his hormones and man needed her, these women had a piece of the goddess of love inside of them. So now they had the power. Now Jews... Okay, they and Hebrews go to live there. The Hellenistic Jews go to live there. When they go to live there, women are not allowed to speak. And now churches are opening up. And Paul says, hey, females, you're allowed to talk. You're allowed to learn. You're allowed to prophesy. Because there's even in the Bible, there's women that were prophets. Okay, the, the daughters of Stephen were prophets. Okay, and he says, he says, you're allowed to prophesy. There are deacon men, and the Bible talks about deacon women. And he says, you're allowed to do that. And he gave him permission. So the women went on a rampage, and they would not shut their trap. They would go to church and mix um, Greek mythology and say things that weren't supposed to be said, and specifically in the church of Corinth. Look, if you read the, if you read the book of the church of Corinth, that's the church no pastor wants to pastor. That is a messed up church, man. <laughs> I mean, the whole, you read it, and you're like, I'm a pastor. I'm like, oh, God, thank you you didn't give me the church of Corinth. That was a messed up church. He's correct in their mistakes. He's saying, one of your mistakes is that your women, we told them to speak, but guys, they're out of control. They're, some women are becoming leaders and not respecting their husbands. They're talking out of place. They're speaking in the middle of congregation. He says, there needs to be an order in the house of God. Woman, until you learn scripture, and I still believe that, until you learn scripture, don't try to school people, but that applies for a man too, the same concept. So what I'm saying is, when it comes to Ephesians, and it comes to marriages, my main concept on this is that my wife has to be submitted to me. That's the first thing she said. Her main language is Spanish, and I'll translate for her now, you know, because I know it's easier for her to do it in Spanish. But the first thing that came out of her mouth when she grabbed the microphone was what? My husband is a senior pastor, and I submit to him. She's aware of it. She doesn't have an ego problem because I'm in charge. So I don't have an ego problem that God uses her with power. And I want to see God use her with power. And in the past, when there was nobody, she was there, and God used her with power. That was a revelation to me. So I don't think she should shut up in the congregation. I think she should shut up if she's not submissive to me at home. If she's a big mouth, she's overriding me. Yes, she needs to control herself. But if she's in order, yes, God should use her. God should use her in my life and the life of those that surround me. And I think that most men that are listening to this right now should pray. Why did God send you this woman? Does she have talents and gifts that you're supposed to allow her to shine? And if you feel threatened by her gifts, if you feel, if you feel threatened that, well, if she's leading, then what am I doing? Get up and lead too. <laughs> you know, stop crying about it. Be the man God called you to be in the area God called you to be. And let her be the woman that God called her to be in the area she's called to be, which are not all called to preach. But may God use her in that area. Pastor, you mentioned something about God using Pastora as, you know, his daughter, as someone who has these unique gifts and talents. Um, Pastora, what is your biggest, what would you say your biggest strength in ministry as a woman? 
Lo voy a hacer en español ahora. I'm going to do this in, in Spanish now. Okay, and I'll translate for you. Um, creo que mi mayor fortaleza es primeramente el haber sido llamada por Dios. My biggest um, strength is to acknowledge God's calling over my life. Yo no me proclamé pastora por mí misma. I didn't just wake up one morning and call myself pastora. Incluso cuando la gente me comenzó a ver como pastora, yo les decía, no, no me digan pastora porque no lo soy. When people would come up to me at the very beginning and they would say, you're pastora, I would literally say, no, don't, don't call me that. Así que reconozco que la mayor fortaleza mía es que tengo a mi Dios delante de mí. So my biggest strength is that God has gone before me as I obey my calling. Y cuando Dios llama a alguien, Él lo va a capacitar. When God calls somebody, He equips that somebody. Yo tengo estudios universitarios y me gradué, pero no me gradué nunca de nada que tenga que ver con Biblia. I went to I went to college, did my four-year degree, and I graduated with my bachelor's, but none of it was in theology. Así que cuando Dios me llamó, esto fue una de las primeras cosas que le pregunté al Señor, que yo no tenía la preparación para ser pastora. When God called me, I remember me hearing his voice and the first thing I asked myself was going to God. I remember going to God and saying, God, you know, what, what, you know, what, I, what, I don't have the capacity to do this. Pero el Señor me, me dijo, solo camina que yo voy a estar contigo yo te voy a dar la capacidad y las palabras que tú necesitas. God said, and I recall his words, were, um, go and obey me and I'll put words in your mouth. Así es que mi mayor fortaleza es tener a Dios delante de mí, como les dije, My, my biggest strength is to have God before me. Y la otra es tener a mi esposo que me ama y que me respalda en el ministerio y reconoce la autoridad que Dios me ha dado. And, and my second biggest strength is to have a husband that backs me up, that's with me, has never felt threatened by backing me up, and that um, he loves me. I do love you, honey. So what I hear you saying as a leader, um, whether you're male or female, is first submission to God. Um, yes, you are right. <laughs> uh, what would you say your biggest obstacle is? Her, her biggest obstacle. Your biggest obstacle, the hardest part. Bueno, pues como decía mi esposo, un obstáculo que puedo confrontar es que en esta cultura no se aceptan las mujeres pastoras. One of the biggest obstacles that I've encountered in, in and it's over 20 years of ministry, I've never heard this answer, it's pretty cool. She says, was arriving here to North Carolina and seeing how women are not accepted in ministry. En Puerto Rico pues se me hizo un poco más fácil debido a que estaba dentro de mi cultura y en mi cultura sí las mujeres pastoras son permitidas. It was really hard for me because um, when you cross cultures in other cultures, women are not frowned upon for being in ministry. So in Puerto Rico, we opened up our church and they they related to it biblically scripturally. But when I came here, it was more of a tradition and I saw it was resisted. Así que yo diría que al principio ese fue uno de mis mayores obstáculos, pero gracias a Dios eh, las personas han visto que no se trata de que yo me quiero proclamar pastora, sino que Dios lo hizo. You know, I learned, to, I learned to earn their love and respect from my ministry, and, um, and they've accepted it. All right, so, Pastor, just going off of that, um, I want to kind of ask you the same question. Uh, just from, from a male standpoint, what is your biggest obstacle um, 
and, and what's your biggest strength? Um, personally or as far as her being in ministry? Her being in ministry. Her being in ministry. I'll tell you what the biggest obstacle is. The biggest obstacle is the misconceived um, doctrinal issues that people have with this. You know, and on both ways, I know why some of them have it. You know, I got to be honest with you. Um, I would say this is just me on a crazy out of the sleeve statistic now. There's nothing, you know, there's no Barner group or anything like that. But out of my sleeve, I would say that, um, you know, most people have issues with women being leaders because in the church, but it's not because it's unbiblical. It's because women, some women want to become leaders in the church and they literally crush it, override their husbands. So what I'm saying is it's been so abused of, you know, you, have, you see so many um, situations where the woman is on the altar and the husband is next to nothing. We're not even in church. So you see it out of control and it really disrupts what scripture says, you know. Um, so what, what the biggest struggle for me is the misconceived notions they are. You know, uh, it's funny because we use the word here very exclusively in our church of pastora. And pastora is literally the Spanish word for pastor, pastora. And um, I remember meeting with a, a good friend of mine. His name is Pastor John Gordy. He's with the Southern Baptist Convention, who's a little conservative on this issue. And, and it was funny because we were in a meeting, and I told him when he came to Hydra for the first time, I said, I want you to know that I'm the pastor, but we have a pastora. And he said, oh, that's awesome. And I opened up my eyes, and he said, he says, I said, it's awesome. And everybody in the table opened up their eyes. He says, yeah, see, I've been a missionary in China for, I don't, I'm going to guess, 20 years, 10 years, I don't know. And um, I can relate to that because in China, I'm called Mishu, and my wife was called Misha. And I might be messing up the translation, but it was like that. And he says, because there is no term for a male, a woman pastor. And I thought about that. I said, there isn't any in English either. So here we adopted the Spanish term, and everybody in English calls her pastora, which is, which is a, it, it makes, you know, in English, it, the word doesn't even exist. It's probably not even the dictionary. You know, iChurch just made the word up. But it's a term, and I loved what he said. He said, and, and this will always resonate with me, and this was just almost two years ago. He said, it's a term of endearment and respect. And I found that so graciously said, because it's not, you're the boss, pastora, you know. No, it's, we love you and respect you and see the woman of God you are in the way he uses you. And we acknowledge your husband's a senior pastor, but we see you as his co-pastor, you know, like the minister of children. We see you as, you know, a co-pastor. So the endearment, the respect is what became pastora. But that misconceived notion, because many have adulterated it. They have. I have to admit it. Many churches have adulterated the process and um, with, with no order in the house, you know, because you can't disrupt the order of the house. And the second thing that worries me is also not just the misconceived notion of people abusing of it, but the misconceived notion of tradition. You know, well, all our life it's been like that. I'm like, have you read scripture? (laughs) I have. And it says the woman should shut up in the church. Then why are you speaking to me right now? You know, and when you teach you on scripture what it says, and when you go to the biblical context, people really, I'm telling you, hands down, if I find 20 Anglo-North Americans that confront me on this, and I teach them what I'm teaching you guys today, out of 20, 19 will turn around and say, I never saw it that way. Thank you. Because scripture's clear on it, you know? And I'm not saying that every church has to change. We should respect what every church has. In the previous church I pastored for 20 plus years, um, none of the pastors on my team, and I had a whole body of pastors, okay, um, none of them had wives that were ordained to ministry. None. None of them were pastoras. Mine was. 
It was an exclusive case. But have I seen pastors who have pastoras? Yes. And, and let's leave the term of pastora because not everybody listening to this is a pastor. You know, can your wife do ministry? Let's take you guys. Can your wife do ministry? Of course. I know you're called to ministry. I know God has called to you. And I know you served as a youth minister. And, and in, in your case, and sitting in front of me right now, I think you're called to ministry. So does God. We believe you're called to ministry. You know, there's no doubt about that. Now, does that mean that her ministry means that you're garbage? No. Should you feel threatened by it? No. So what do you do? You empower her, encourage her. And, she, and your job, Katie, is to say, I, I stake her, follow her example, say, no, I serve the Lord and I have my ministry and my leadership, but the head of my household is my husband. Now, here's the thing. If your husband opposes to you serving God, that's a whole another issue we have to deal with because he's forgetting that before you belong to him, you belong to father in heaven. And he's going to have to respond when he makes it to heaven for you. There's this one portion of scripture, which is right there in Ephesians chapter five. It says, after all, no one ever hated when it's talking about women. And it's talking about submitting. It says, after all, no one ever hated their own body. If your wife's your body, you can't hate the fact that she's in ministry. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does for the church. So I have to feed ministry to my wife. I have to care ministry to my wife. Not just my wife. Now I do it with my daughters. I feed and I care ministry into them because I believe God could use my daughter. Does my daughter have to become a pastor? No. She could be a children's minister. She could be a worship leader. I don't care. But I do believe firmly that my child was sent to me, my children were sent to me, because I'm going to make them powerful tools of God. We both believe that, I believe. Something you said really spoke to me, and I hope I'm not um, catching you off guard, but uh, you're good at going off the cuff, so here it goes. Um, what about those women who might be listening, and God has really spoken to them and said, you know, I'm serving in the church, but my husband's not, or I'm serving in a prominent ministry position, but my husband might be in a different position that may be is not in leadership, um, you know, so you've really spoken on that lack of order. Um, what advice would you give them now that the Holy Spirit has kind of spoken to them about that um, and they've gotten some clarity? I'm going to answer the first part to that. I'm going to see if Claudia can answer the second one to that. Um, and on the clarity of a woman who doesn't have, we're going to take, take this from two levels. One level is husbands, because it's, it's almost three answers. Um, my husband is not in church. Okay, mi esposo no está en la iglesia. Okay, and my house is not in order. I'm going to let Claudia answer that one. What does a Christian woman do? I'm going to go to the B level, which is my husband is in church, but I'm in a prominent leadership position and he's not. Okay, because that was a little more delicate. On that second one, I'm in the ministry. Uh, my husband goes to church, you know, the average churchgoer, but he's not in a leadership position. You know, he loves God, he serves God, but he doesn't feel he's called to do that. Here's my answer to that. Is he the head of your household? And if the answer, yes, he is. Does he see your calling? Yes, he does. Does he authorize your calling? Yes, he does. And go knock it out of the ballpark because you have his blessing. You have his permission. If he does not see it, if, he, if he's in church and he does not say, if he feels threatened by what you're doing, you have to stop ministry. You have to stop ministry because, because you need to make sure that he's your first ministry, not your second one. So if you're not ministering to him, you can't minister to the body of Christ. Okay, now, okay, now let's go to the woman who's in church and wants to be a leader, but her husband doesn't come to church. She has a mess in her house, right? She doesn't want to. She loves God, but she has a mess in her house. Okay, what would you say there? 
Les tendría que decir a esas mujeres que tienen que aprender a esperar en el momento correcto de Dios. I would say to those women, you need to learn to wait in God's time. Eh, ese tipo de mujer que tiene un esposo inconverso. That type of woman who has a unbelieving husband. No puede pretender eh, pararse a predicar a hombres, a mujeres y a multitudes si no tiene su casa como Dios quiere que esté. A woman can't pretend to win over the nations for God and people to convert to Christ if you haven't even been able to do it at home yet. Lo primero que esa mujer tiene que hacer es comenzar a doblar rodillas y a orar por su esposo para que se convierta al Señor. The first ministry that woman has to take on before she takes on the nation is her own household. She's got to learn to be on her knees and pray and anoint her house and believe in her husband to come to the Lord Jesus, the feet of Jesus. Y una vez haya logrado esa meta, Dios entonces le va a indicar cuál es el momento correcto para que entonces ella pueda ejercer en el ministerio. And once she's achieved that level, that task, then and only then may she be ready for her next task, which may be public ministry. I'm going to add on to that 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, um, which says, women be subject or attached or under submissive to your husband to such a level that the disobedient husbands will come to the word and know the Lord Jesus Christ through your testimony. Look, let's just be honest. Man, woman, youth leader, whoever you are, you cannot have a growing powerful ministry if you don't have a powerful testimony at home. Just don't. It, you, you, you could only ride on fakeness for so long before it catches up to you. People will catch on. Hey, look at his wife. You know, it's like, it's, same thing applies to me as a husband. If I'm in church preaching the word, and everybody's like, oh my God, my beautiful word. But my wife is, I hate this jerk. My ministry is going to go down in flames. I could fake it only for so long before the cat's out of the bag. Same thing applies for a woman, you know? I can't talk about, my kids aren't going to be perfect, right? But the Bible says if I don't have my kids in submission, I can't. If my 14-year-old if my, if my daughter slaps me in the face and says, shut up, dad. I'm sorry, I can't stand at the altar. I can't preach. Because I have my house out of order. I got to go fix my house before I try to fix yours. Because now I'm a hypocrite. Same thing applies to this woman. It's not that God won't give her ministries. Hang in there, sister. If you're listening right now, wherever you are, wherever you are, hang in there. But know, like Gladys said, Pastora's right. Your first ministry, and that's where first ministry gets misinterpreted many times. People say, well, don't forget that your first ministry is your family. I have such a hard issue with that because that's true. But people say it to try to justify not serving God faithfully. Well, don't, you can't be in church all the time. You can't take on that ministry because remember that church, your family is your first ministry. And I can answer back, right. And God goes before your family. So, so you know, technically speaking, do you serve your family? Or do you serve God first? I can't be a great dad until I'm a great Christian. I'm a great believer. So it goes hand in hand. But do I believe, do we believe that we have to start at home? Yeah. Do we have it all in order? No, for God's sake. We don't have everything in order. Everything's not perfect, but we strive every day to make sure that it is to a point that we can bring a topic like that. You know, we can teach it. I think that's where it really goes. That's where we have to aim for. Awesome. Uh Man, this, this has been great. I, I know you guys listening out there are really just cleaning from God, just what the, the Spirit's pouring out here uh, and what we've learned. 
Uh, we're excited that you guys joined us in uh, on the podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, please go back, download some more. Uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do with this ministry going forward. Uh, it's been awesome uh, just having our wives here. I was, a little, I was a little nervous at first when you two brought. I thought you were going to try to get whipped at home by my wife. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That goes against everything we just taught. It's a joke. It's a joke. I wasn't going to get in trouble at home. Not today. Uh, we love you guys. And, and again, we're, thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, we're excited for, for what God's going to do forward. Uh, just with this podcast, uh, I just know so many couples are going to hear this and they're going to be empowered and, and wives are going to hear this and they're going to be empowered. And I think there was real clarity brought um, just on that role and, and, and how that plays. Uh, and just adding this, um, you know, before I came to iChurch, I, I had a very conservative view of, um, of how women were supposed to be in the church. And it, it wasn't until I, I came and, and I sat under pastor and and heard him speak on the issue that my eyes were just absolutely blown open. And uh, I hope this podcast helped with that. Um, so mm-hmm. again, we're, we're glad that you guys uh, listened, and we love y'all. Amen. So on behalf of my church, thank you for just, and on behalf of us, and thank you guys for coming in. I think the questions you guys ask, ask answer the questions to a whole lot of people. And I want to publicly thank my wife for being submissive to me so many years and, and being behind me to form that A-team. I don't think I'd be where I am today if she wouldn't be the woman she is. I'm blessed by having her. So we hope this podcast helps you. And um, this is probably split into two podcasts. So if you didn't catch the first part of this, go back and listen to the first part, as Nate said, because you probably want to have this and share it with somebody. We bless you. We love you. Thank you for encouraging us. And thank you to why you listen to this. And remember to just uh, review this and pass it on to people you love. Thank you, guys.